Hi everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be with you. We have Robert Kudla with us today, and we're going to do well, kind of a, a, I don't know, miscellaneous economic report. We're going to be all over the map is what I'm trying to say. And it's going to be, uh, I think this show is going to appeal to people that just want to know what's coming. It's also going to appeal to people that have assets to protect and say, what do you do? And people who are looking for opportunities to get into things. And and uh, really, it's we're, we're looking at uh, energy being turned upside down. We're looking at problems economically in China that are going to affect us here in the United States. We're going to be all over this map. And this is really an important broadcast because... Bob and I haven't talked for a week, and as I like to say to Bob, um, we could talk every day, and we'd have a new theme based on how quickly things are changing. Bob, welcome to the show, and I really can't wait to jump in. Yeah, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're you're right. So uh, we've gone from our conversations. Look, the, what's happening now in the energy markets is a series of self-inflicted wounds by the elites. I think they thought they could create a controlled change in in consumer behavior. And I won't get into the details because, you know, every other word I say is a landmine now. So let's just leave it to be that they lost control. They There's too much money, too many stupid policies, underinvestments in the energy industry. And basically, the, the right now, per Farmer's Almanac, per... Um, the uh, the National Weather Service is that the the next four to six months is going to trend colder than than expected, and it's it's causing extreme draws on the energy reserves around the world. Russia can't produce enough natural gas. The United States can't produce enough natural gas. Our stocks are running low, and then there was an underinvestment in the uh, reserve what they call reserve capacity. They've been baselining these renewables, okay, and and they don't have enough backup. And now they need to draw on the backups. I'll go around the horn. India has less than a three-day supply of coal. Now, why does that matter? Well, our pharmaceuticals come from India. China tried to be cute and and basically go go green for their Winter Olympics because last time they had the Olympics, it was all so smoggy, if you recall. And they ran out of reserve uh, capacity, and now they have to ramp up their coal production. And they made enemies out of Australia, and they uh, have their mines are flooded now because they're getting unseasonable rains in the in the coal regions. And so, therefore, they're having an energy deficit. What does that matter to us? Well, they're shutting their factories down. Okay, come over to the United States. We can't get stuff out of Canada into the U.S. Okay, we have a basically. We have the shipping backlog in Long Beach, but the one we don't talk about is the shipping backlog on the Red River going into the Oklahoma storage depots. So we have a distillate problem, refined product problem in the United States that could prove problematic. We, we could have spot gasoline shortages, home heating oil stops, uh, shortages, natural gas shortages in the United States as well. And then we flip over to England England was relying increasingly on wind energy. Well, the wind's not blowing this year. Okay, their Met office was wrong. And now they're relying on coal. So coal, 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 coal everywhere. And then But Germany, isn't, isn't uh, Biden trying to do away with coal? Yeah. 
Well, I think that's changing too. So uh, they they have no choice. They either either they got to start jamming up the coal, or they're gonna or we're gonna have uh, energy plants shutting down in the United States. It's unbelievable. And then Germany's running out of natural gas. They they failed to they failed to uh, ramp up their reserves. They were in some sort of game of chicken with Russia. Germany lost. And so now Russia says, I can't give you any more natural gas at a higher rate than I've been because I'm filling up my own reserves for winter. You should have done that in July. And so now we have the whole world in this situation where when you start shutting back on your electric, the, you know you obviously can't let people freeze in their homes, right? So you shut back on, on factories and businesses. And you and you, you start having shortages. Oh, and I forgot to talk about Lebanon. Total country blackout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's and it's all a theme. It's 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 poor government policy. It's things we can't talk about where they're wrong, and and um, and it's and it's 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 free money sloshing around creating, you know, other malinvestments. So I saw well, that. I want to say that. something to you about Lebanon. Okay, before we leave that topic. I was doing some reading on this last night, and there's something here that doesn't meet the smell test. And and what we've got here is a nation that went entirely black with regard to energy and, and you know uh, electrical output. I mean, people were in total darkness. This just killed their economy. And yet, this man who runs the country has enough money to pay off a teenage beauty pageant for impregnation. Um, he has luxury homes all over the world. And then magically, at the last minute, they had to come up with $160 million for their military to get the grid back up. What am I missing here, Bob? Oh, it's just total corruption. We're, we're I mean, we're, we're live, you know, living in the last days of Caligula around the world. You look, I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi went to the, went to the, uh, went to the seat of Pope. I think it definitely she did that for a visual saying, see, I'm in good standing as a Catholic, you know, it's just that. With all her insider training, yeah. Insider training and, and also her stance on abortion and she's going to the Pope who the Catholics view on abortion is diametrically opposed, but he didn't see him he didn't abrade her. So so yeah, so you have all this corruption on top of it's the icing on the cake. But all this is laying bare the whole um you remember Thomas Friedman's book, The Flat Earth? Remember yes. that? Yes, I do. Yeah, so it's proven to be totally, totally, totally false. You and I knew that for years, that, you know, um, you, you create these uh, uh, these long supply chains, and, and then somebody decides to, you know, pull a few strings, and next thing you know it, you're, you're beholding to other countries for things. The United States is particularly vulnerable, you know, in pharmaceuticals and electronics, you know, to to Asia, and either maliciously or in this case, uh, also um, accidentally, we could put ourselves in a situation where where people can actually die, and and just because of the just the, the sheer greed of the people, you know, running the corporations and the country that were, were only looking out for literally their own selves, and and now it's going to cause, you know, the recriminations are going to be next five years are going to be just in many different directions are going to be uh, are, are going to be astonishing to behold how will that happen will people be withholding in energy for their industry and business interests and to heck with the people or how, how would this manifest with regard to danger 
Well, number one, look at Russia, right? Russia and Saudi Arabia now are the marginal producers. Okay, so you have, um, uh, and they're going to dictate price. So they're going to they're going to force Europe into adopting policies that are beneficial for Russia. Saudis will do the same. When I say the Saudis, I mean that area at Al, right? Um, Canada is potentially a swing producer, but they're shooting themselves in the head, you know, by adopting policies that are, uh, are you know, are going to prove to be, are going to prove to be catastrophic for Canada. That are anti-energy, correct? They're anti-energy and they're anti-common sense because I think they're not going to have enough food and they're not going to have enough energy. And, yeah, and I'm and, hearing and, that too. I'm hearing that yeah. too from, from Canadian economists. They're worried, really worried about food production going into this winter. And if we get through this winter, then they say it could be catastrophic the following winter. Yeah, and the other thing happening too, Dave, is that because the shortages, they have to shut down, they have to shut down production of fertilizer. People don't realize fertilizer comes from natural gas, okay? And that, that's part of the production of urea. And and, and that's, that's the stuff they put on fields. So they're shutting this thing down. And um, and then number two is that in the Netherlands, and stop me if we if I discussed this last week, they're shutting down their greenhouses. No, we didn't go over that they, last they week. Can't, they, they can't heat them. And so so this thing has, I think a lot of people are going to realize the, the deal that we can't talk about is going to prove to be uh, basically an ivory tower disaster. So... And and um, and it, it's getting real for people now. So you know, look at the store shelves on England; they can't get the logistics in. So it's 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 a, it's a problem, Dave. Um, shipping is a problem. Labor is a problem. Um, energy is a problem. What's the number one issue there? Is it energy or is it uh, a labor? Um, the number one issue is well. You know, that you can talk about. I would, well, no, I can talk about both of them. I think energy is probably the bigger issue because it's harder to solve. Okay, because you can always put people. I think labor fixes itself, but um, but yeah, energy is a is a bigger problem because it has a longer lead time to fix it. Interesting. Okay, Um, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, we have shot ourselves in the foot with labor. Is the major problem with labor, and this is something that I'm having a hard time getting my mind around, is it related to the fact that these stimulus payments overpaid people and encouraged them to stay off the jobs for too long a period of time? I, I think that's part of it. You know, I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it because, you know, I, I have a, a daughter that was fully compensated under that program. But the minute she got called back to work, she went back to work, and and every friend of hers, and every son and daughter of friends of ours are all working out here in Southern California. Everybody, and and you know, and they're not like demanding, like higher you know labor rates and stuff like that. They all the kids want to work. So I'm not sure why. My only theory that I have, Dave, is number one, you could be right, and I just don't have enough data points to. To, to, to speak intelligently on it. Or number two is that a lot of people 60 or older have just bailed out for good, are done. You know, at 62, you can start collecting social security, you know, and uh, 
and so maybe maybe we're seeing people just leaving the the market you know if you live here in california you have a home you can cash out your home you can move somewhere else and basically uh, buy a house cash you know and then maybe people are making the calculations hey i don't really need to work anymore you know i know i have some friends that have done that this year you know in the, in the early early 60s so they're just leaving the workforce hmm. but i heard but yesterday i heard the same thing that you just described that people are saying well, i'm not taking a mediocre job because i I, I'm getting I'm getting unemployment. I thought all that stopped, so I'm a little unsure of that. Well, it, it it's hard to tell because they've stopped it, started it, stopped it, restarted it. Um, you almost need a program on a daily basis to figure out who the government's giving money away to. By yes, the way, that's, that's true. This is kind of off the point, but as an aside of giving money away, I just read yesterday we're giving millions to Afghanistan. There's no logic in what we're doing. That's my point. No, no, it's all it's all buyoffs and payoffs and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's uh, the the important thing is for what you and I are talking about today is that that this is a repeat of the 1970s. I mean, you couldn't put a bow on this 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 analogy any tighter. And so now we're going into the higher energy cost phase. Of this, what people don't realize is when people start thinking inflation is no longer transitory, the first thing they move their money to is real estate. Second thing they move their money to is an energy. And then on top of it, we have now these shortages that have been created, which makes it even even more more likely that we're going to uh, have a very persistent move in energy. People don't realize we had a 400% increase in the cost of energy in the 70s from the 60s. And, and we barely scratched the surface on what energy costs can be, you know, going forward. And the sad okay. thing about it is that it's, yeah. it's mostly self-inflicted wounds. Well, how, how are you dealing with this with Trade Genius? Well, we, you know, and, and we've discussed this. We, we've, we foresaw all this, you know, and, and we've seen the money moving into uh, energy. Our first our first energy name were uranium and they're still moving strong. And then we moved into the oil energy names. And then last week we started getting involved in natural gas, which we're going to be holding and coal stocks. So, uh, and we're still in all those names, uh, Dave right now. I mean, we, we've entered in positions in Schlumberger. We have at XLE, we've been trading in the, uh, um, the, the uranium space with CCJ and, and so on and so forth, and and we just been uh, we just been been hitting singles and doubles and a couple of home runs here for the last you know two months, and what the what's happening with the news now is that it looks like it's more structural than just a a, a short term trade, and so we're 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 thinking that we're going to have a longer term swing on our hands. So our our theme is is energy, 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 and and. Um, and then the byproducts of that, which will be food inflation and food input inflation. And then that's going to turn around and cause the rest of the market outside of those areas to have a, a severe correction. So that's how we're playing it. And, uh, and you know, it's working out quite well for us. Well, I, I told people in the intro that we'd be looking at things that individual people can do. Um, so you're having really great success at trade genius i've read your attaboys i've read some of your financials and you're winning two out of three trades on short-term turnovers with three to five days as your average um 
but what about the average person? What are they to do? Can, can they get involved and do what you're doing? Yeah, so what we've done, Dave, is we've created a, a series of what we consider very effective algorithms that allow you and I, as retail traders, your subscribers and your listeners the same, to be able to uh, uh, to take advantage of these, these money flows. So our system will allow you, first of all, we'll teach you how to use it, number one. Number two, we give you access to it. Number three, we give you access to chat rooms so you can communicate with us. And number four, I give out trades every day. And so uh, we basically teach you how to fish, give you a fish, put you in the right fishing grounds, and and get you become a confident trader. Basically a lifelong skill. And, yeah, uh, when you say that you um, put out trades, what, what does that mean exactly? So we have a, you know, a telegram, you know, a messaging that we go ahead and we will share uh, trades. And here I'll just read one to you as we did this this morning is that um, we uh, said, hey, buy SLB, which is Schlumberger at market open, stop 29, target 37. That got in at 32.30 this morning and it's already over $33. So trade like that. We were shorting volatility going into the end of the week. We walked people through how to move that stop up so they can take increasing profits and we, we did that so that's that's the kind of what i mean when we we do that and then we record all those trades and they're on our website so uh every day that we put a trade out that gets a moral memorialized and we show people win loss or draw right and and then uh, we calculate the ongoing percentage gains and so on and so forth from that so that's that's what i mean by putting out the trades, Dave. And I try to do one or two a day. Uh, and, but at the same time, we teach you how to do this and the system has alerts built in. So you can actually, if you don't like what I'm trading, you want to trade something else because there's thousands of stocks out there is that you can go, you can use the same algorithms that I'm using and set up alerts to alert you to opportunities and also pitfalls to get out of trades. When you say algorithms, can you explain that to the average person? I mean, how does how does a broker like yourself come up with an algorithm? Yeah, so it's really a, it's really a series of <laughs> mathematical constructs that that um, says if this happens, then look for this. And and so what we've done is we've layered on a number of those those what if calculations in, and then when they hit a certain threshold, it produces a a buy signal, and then you can then create alerts against those buy signals so you don't have to worry about understanding the algorithm at all you just have to you just have to worry about when it says buy or sell and then you can evaluate whether that trade is set up for you or not so that's what we've done and our, and our system based on looking at money flow and volume so we're most interested in is make sure the trend is intact and and or we're looking for reversal areas and then we're looking for money to be flowing in to those trades and and then for that to give us the um uh the thresholds to purchase it or continue to watch it mm -hmm. that sounds pretty complete now um are algorithms are they common to the investment um, process or not this you can yes. tell i'm i'm operating yeah. in the dark here yeah yeah absolutely there, you know i don't have black magic uh, what we have is what, what makes you a successful trader is finding a consistent, a consistent winning formula and, and religiously applying it. Okay. 
And so that's what our system does. First of all, it helps you make less mistakes because if the system does, as you say, 65% win rate, you know, and as of, as of this morning, the win rate is, is 65.2%. What's the market average? Yours is 65. What is the market average? Uh, there's, 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 there's no market average per se out there. Um, most people are less than 50%. So we designed it. You can have a, a winning rate of 90%, but you may only do a trade once in a blue moon. You see what I'm saying? So we optimize winning two out of three times. But the more important number, Dave, is what's called the profit factor. That means when you win, are you winning more money than when you lose on a trade? Okay, and that comes out what's called the average gain per trade. And we sit at a 1.95% average gain per trade. That's net of loss. That's that's net gain. And we hold the trade for an average of three days, Dave. So you calculate that out where we run at an average of a 203.18% annualized gain on our trades. Okay. Okay, so that is very good. And uh, uh, and and like I said, that's memorialized. So we put it out on, on, on our messaging system. We put it on our spreadsheet. And whether I win or lose, um, it, it gets put up there. And so... Uh, and you can just see, you can just see it running, and like every two years, I start it over, and, and kick it again. So this this has been running since since basically January 2020, and before that. But I've been consistent, Dave. So we've been doing this since 2015. I've always averaged in the mid 60s. Our system is extremely reliable, and and uh, like I said, when it works, it works. So we just let it be, and. Uh, and so that's how our system operates. And what we try to teach people is, first of all, to stop making mistakes. Number one, follow a system and consistently follow a system that works. And you can't help but over time make money. And in our system, we look at the different sectors. Look, we've been in the energy sector now for the last four to five months. Your, your listeners should know that because you and I have been talking about it for that long. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when that plays itself out, we'll move into the next sectors that are working likely to be in the precious metal area okay they're not quite there yet and so what we've done dave also is created um to make it affordable for people to use our service we created a series of um bundles so 65 percent off uh you can trade cryptos with us stock market with us futures with us and then and you can use promo code um fall and you can uh, take 40% off of anything not bundled. So very, very inexpensive. The trades that we do, you do one or two trades with us, it's likely to pay for your whole year of service. Wow. And uh, um, we make this affordable and we wanna, wanna be one of the good guys out there. And and it, and it works and it's fun. I trade my own stuff, so. Okay, so um, your, your, your success rate is high given the stats. Um, this is not what I'm hearing from people that have like a regular broker and they're just kind of doing cookie cutter stuff. Why aren't more people doing this approach to the market or any kind of investment for that matter? Because you have to, you have to communicate more, more, um, more frequently. Number one, number two is people are afraid of having another 2008 happen to them and they all get sued because they, um, you know, I'm not a broker, just for people to be clear, I'm an information provider. So you're you're responsible for your own trades with us. So a broker 
you know, they're actually placing the trades for their clients. And so after 2008, all their risk managing officers said, you're going to go to a what's called a age and risk profile approach. And then we're going to go passive. So they will eventually catch up to energy. But, you know, in the meantime, they lose a lot of opportunities um, with the um, with the shift because they, they, they operate on indexes. And and so, so they, they're always behind the curve. And look, they've been fat, dumb and happy for a number of years, Dave, but this year has changed. So the stock market might be near all time highs, but the stock market actually topped out in March. OK, for the non, you know, for if you, there's a thing in the market called market cap weighted and then equal cap weighted. The market cap weighted stocks keep going up because, you know, 10 or 12 of them can run the whole market. But the equal weight, all the rest of the stocks have, have they've topped out in the spring. We have a number of stocks that are in bear markets right now. You wouldn't know that because you're just looking at, you know, what Google and Amazon are doing every day. And that's kind of part of the the, the fraud or the Potemkin nature of of the markets. When those stocks start going down, Dave, you can see a 20% market correction in a New York minute. People aren't going to understand why. It's because because the market cap weighting that these indexes are. And all of, everybody uses it. So if you have a managed account, your, your broker is, is passive. He wants to know how old you are and how much risk you're willing to take. And they design a plan for you based on that. And then it's up to you to tell them you want to change it. And, and when you do your approach, them. is it, do you assess the risk that people want to take or is it something that they are taught how to do on their own? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm strictly for the do it yourselfer. Okay. So I'm, I'm providing information and I'm providing tools and ultimately it's their responsibility because I can't know anybody's risks. <clears throat> so <clears throat> it's simply a matter of, well, then of how can, people. how can a wall street broker know someone's risks? They, they make somebody sign a paper. But they really don't know it. No, they don't. They, look, so they're they know not acting it. in the fiduciary interest of their client. They're just getting their client to sign away their rights. Yeah, I, I would think um, that's probably a fair assessment. I think there's only I think there's only one broker out there. I think Fisher Investments has said they, they act truly as a fiduciary. I mean, they only do well when you do well. They're always looking out for their client's best interest. Most people, they just have a, hey, this, look, you... We, we didn't we didn't underperform the index okay and remember you signed this piece of paper that said that so but uh, there, there, there's your legal disclaimer I had a really good friend once in the coaching profession years and decades ago actually and he had a roommate who was a broker and he talked to my friend into doing investment and he said guaranteed 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 he goes you better hope it's guaranteed because there'll be consequences that there's not well, it wasn't so guaranteed, and the rent went up. <laughs> so I, I've seen this kind of thing. It's irresponsible. It really is. But what, yeah. what sounds like what you're doing, is, is this going to be a trend that you're doing where you're empowering the individual to learn what to do, teach them how to do it, give them support, but they basically do it on their own, and they're not being controlled by a broker and their external interests? Is, is this a trend, or is this just unique to you? Well, I think I'm a subset of the market that is always there. So, and I'm not necessarily interested in in having people with managed funds and saying, "Oh my gosh, I got to go see Bob." Um, there's my market is big enough for people that want to take control of their of their life, 
And what will happen though, Dave, when we have another big market correction, there's gonna be a lot of hand-wringing over this thing called passive investing and market cap weighted indexes. When you say so, hand-wringing, what do you mean by that? Meaning just like in 2008 when they said, why did you put all our people in such risky stocks? And this time around, they're gonna say, how come you guys didn't know that if these top 10 stocks crashed, the whole market's going to crash. How, how could, how, how, how can you not be prepared for that for us? Yeah. You know, and, and, and then I'm going to take a good hard look at index weightings. Cause you know, you, all the ETFs out there, Dave, um, many of them are all invested in the same thing. So like if Apple has to shut down because they can't get electronics from China, let's say Apple falls 20%. They make up a high percentage of the S and P 500. And that, by that nature, S&P 500 is going to fall. But not just not just that ETF. There's probably 50 or 60 other ETFs that have Apple in it. And if you're investing and you have SPY in this other index, you don't even know Apple's really part of it. All of a sudden, why is that one going down? Well, because Apple's in it. So a lot of these ETFs peppered in these high market cap stocks to give their their uh, indexes a, a better look if you will but it's not necessarily germane to their investment thesis and when these things roll over you might be thinking you're safe because you're not in in tech but you find out you actually are in tech because if you read the index of the etf's prospectus you find out that yeah 10 percent of their weighting was apple you know so that's what I'm talking about. Those are the two areas that you'll watch when we get our next big market correction, Dave. I guarantee you, you and I will be talking about the demise of those two things, and they'll be off to something else. You know, in the meantime, I'm just trying to teach people how to to be more effective traders and and have good information, and and be able to uh, give people the confidence that they can actually do this on their own. Okay. Is there anybody else doing what you're doing? I I don't know of any. I'm sure there are, but, uh, you know, I've learned a long time ago, you know, I joined the Marine Corps because they're the best armed services uh, unit in the world. So when you're the lead dog, you never look back, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, well, to me, this is enlightening, but before I kind of put a bow on this part of the questioning here, when you say you develop algorithms um, without giving any trade secrets away, what does that entail? What do you mean by that? Well, you're looking at, um, well, this is a series of calculations that, that look at repeating pieces of information in the stock market. And so when you when you put those, those data sets together and they repeat and they give you a positive outcome, you know, then, then that is something interesting to us. So then we would just, we continue to optimize it to get it to the level of performance that we want it, i.e. two out of three wins and a profitable a profit factor. And so that's mm. what we mean by that. But, you know, to simplify this, the, the stock market, it's really simple, Dave. Only two things move it, price and volume. Yeah. Everything's a derivative from that. So we look at we look at price action and we look at the volume that drives it. That's the money flow. And then we've just created a series of calculations that we express out onto the charts as buying sell signals. Wow. This is really interesting to me, and I'll tell you why. In one of my lives I've had professionally, um, I taught statistics and research. And research at a pretty high level. Stat, I wrote two courses on for a college I was with. 
And uh, so this is in my wheelhouse. And let me tell you what I'm hearing you talk about. You're doing what's referred to in stats as a multiple regression analysis of many variables that occur simultaneously, rank ordering them in terms of the likely probabilities of performance. Then your statistical calculations come in with this model. And uh, then from there you go, okay, this tends to be the best right now in these circumstances. This is second best, third best, avoid these other things. How close am I to what you're doing in a general sense? Uh, pretty close, but you know we also use Occam's razor too. You want to keep it simple, stupid. Yep. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. There's that kiss. What is it? Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and, and, and yeah, and that you know that tends to work <laughs> from us. And look, you know, the stock market is a, it's just a it's just a series of repeatable patterns, and if you see it enough times, you know, and you assign a probability to it you know, then you, then we call it see trade, take trade. Okay. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. You, you know, we're in a, we're in the, they, they, they don't call it collecting. They call it, they call it in, in trading. Okay. So you're going to, you're going to win two out of every three times and, and, and you're going to uh, win more money than you lose when you lose money. And that's as simple as that. Well, and if general I managers have... in the NFL won two out of three trades, they're in the playoffs every year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, you know, you, you do certain throws because they have a higher probability of success. Can the, right. can the receiver drop it? Yeah. Can you make a bet error and throw? Yeah. But that throw is a high probability throw. And it's the same thing in, in trading. If we see a, a market that's trending and we're getting these cycles, it's like a radio sine wave, right? is that we get the momentum and price building together, then we're like, oh, it's trending the right way. We got both factors agreeing, <coughs> excuse me, and therefore take the trade and then set your stop and set your target and, and move on. Maybe, maybe next time we talk, Dave, maybe I can actually even just show people what this looks like. Yeah, okay. That, I think that would be cool because a lot of people will listen to economic trends and then as soon as you get to investing and talk about what people are doing and where you can put your money and so forth, they kind of tune out because they don't understand the process. And I just thought it would be interesting to do that. So let's give you a little plug here since you've given this inside information. Let's reward that honesty. So how do people become part of what you do? Yeah, just go to tradelegagenius.com. Look for those bundles. Uh, you, can, you can call us. You can chat with us. You can um, email us. And we've we put that pricing together for you if you take advantage of it by Saturday. I guess it would be the 19th of, no, no, I'm sorry, the 16th of, the um, no, 17th of October. Okay, and, so this yeah, uh, Saturday, mean, correct? This Saturday, yeah. That would be the 16th, I know, because my 16th. wife's birthday is Friday the 15th, so <laughs> I know that date. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so take advantage by then, and and so we just put the pricing together for your listeners. Uh, it's time timestamp so wow. take advantage of it no that's really cool um and, a, and a, it sounds like it's inexpensive to get involved and then you got a coupon on top of that so that's people can get their feet wet can someone start at ground zero in this business and actually learn how to do it because let me let me make an analogy okay when i first started making youtube videos actually at the behest of of one of my family members suggestions dad you needed to be doing this so i did do another one well, I just did one. No, do another one. 
and he and then I was told, do you know people are making big money doing this? And I said, what do you mean? He said, people come on here, make videos, they get advertised. And I had no idea how the process worked. And I was explained to my family member that people are making really good money from this if they just know what they're doing. And I'm thinking, wow, that's incredible. So is there a same aha experience I had with YouTube that you could get with Trade Genius? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. So we have probably, I would say probably, probably about 60% of our, our, um, our subscribers are people that are fairly new, tried a certain approach, didn't work. And so are reaching out to us to see if this is better. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we tell people, you know, 30 days, you start learning the language, four months, you get the aha moment. And if you apply diligence and, and good capital <clears throat> control in four years, if you wanted to, you probably could, uh, strike out on your own. But, um, but yeah, the nice thing about like cryptocurrencies, you can start with just a couple bucks because they, you know, there's no minimums and and the and the commissions are low, and now with no commission stock trading, you can get into it for, for a fairly low amount of money as well. So, um, you know, it's all about the percentages. I just tell people you got to be patient, and and just you know, basically you're you're like the little train that could. Yeah. And eventually you're going to get to the top of the hill, and then things are going to get easier over time can you create a code word for our people to take advantage of this opportunity for the common sense yeah. listeners so they would have to use uh for the bundles there is no code word necessary but for the uh non-bundle they can use the code word fall fall okay like fall into wealth yes <laughs> do, you, do you have just out of curiosity like a youtube analogy again do you have people that fall into this so to speak learn what they're doing and then say you said four months is the aha moment um and much shorter to start making money do you have people that end up t turning this into legitimate second and sometimes first income opportunities uh yeah to the extent they share it with us sure we have people that have done uh that have done very well uh and and so you know we never ask people anything about their personal you know, but if people have success, they tend to want to share it. So I get those uh, people will put things in the in the chat room. I've shared some of those with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I, I I saw a couple of those sometime back, and and I was looking at people that were making over time. I remember one guy was talking about over fifty percent return on investment. Yeah, so there's some people done very well. You know, I'll give you one one extreme example, <clears throat> which is not normal, but <clears throat> we do also do training classes. We haven't done anything since up. The, the pandemic started, but we actually had on-site training. We, we invite 30 people. And during one of the classes on the crypto side, we had, um, we had, um, um, one guy just said, Oh, I've never been into crypto before. And our, my crypto guy said, you go ahead and put, um, money in this guy was fairly wealthy. So he dropped in a hundred thousand dollars on crypto. Wow. At the time, this is when it was at $3,000 and everybody said it was going to zero. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, last this past spring, he said, "Hey, I just cashed out for three point two million dollars." Oh, so that's a, that's incredible. But when you said three thousand, I thought, "Okay, there's a big payday coming here." Yeah. So you know, so I mean, that's like an extreme example. But we have a, a number of people who, who like, um, I'll get a note saying, "Hey, Bobby, I bought an RV based on your trades and and stuff like that." But you know, just to be fair to everybody, there's some people that just can't do it either, Dave. Okay. So you give everybody all the tools in the world, 
but some people just don't either have the time, the inclination, or they don't follow the rules or, you know, a period of time where, where the trades don't work. Yeah, I hear you. Lose interest. I just want to be clear, but, <laughs> but, you know, we know, we know, we know this works because I, I have people that have been trading with me since 2015. So yeah. I got to hang out just because they want to talk to me, you know. I, I hear you. I, I used to. I was involved in the inception of a major company that taught uh, shooting as a basketball skill, and I became even after I divested my interest when I moved to Arizona, I became an in-demand coach at major university basketball camps for shooting. And I'm not trying to. Well, I guess I am bragging a little bit, but I was pretty good at it. I mean, we're talking Australia. Uh, I'm in Australia. Uh, we're talking uh, UCLA, USC, Indiana, University of Colorado. Uh, ASU. This were just some of the places I went and and did my craft. I even had an inquiry from uh, New Zealand. They wanted me to come be the shooting coach for a couple years for their junior team. And we actually were looking at this. My wife and I said we could do a couple years there if we could travel back and forth, some take care of things. And we're actually looking at, but then they pulled the plug because of my politics. Um, (laughs) That's a true story. That's a really true story. I remember you. I remember you telling me about that. That's. That's pretty wild. So that's it is, but, but here's my analogy with this. You said everyone can't do it. Okay, I'm pretty good at teaching shooting. I mean, the, the, last year I coached, my team was number one in the nation in three-point shooting, number three in free-throw shooting. And when you look at that, you say, gee, you must be do a good job with everybody. No, no. There's about 20% of the population that I could not reach. They just don't have the hand-eye coordination. They don't have the genetic gifts that you absolutely have to have. And I would suspect, too, that you see the same thing in trading. You have people that don't have the resilience to stay with a losing trade and come back and bounce back, or they don't have the psychological makeup to stay on top of things and follow directions. I mean, that's probably what you encounter. Yeah, you know, trading is like being a quarterback. So, you you know, you, you have to take the high probability throws, okay? You have to be, um, you have to have the discipline you know, to, to make the high probability throws instead of just starting to wing it. Exactly. And then you also have to have short-term memory. A lot of times people get a trade and it doesn't work out. Then they freeze on the next trade and which the winner. And, and so that's, those are the hardest psychological things to, to cheat. And then they go back into old habits. They, they do what's called revenge trading okay. where they, 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 <laughs> I know, they I know. They'll, 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 they'll go on to, on Twitter or elsewhere and they'll hear rumors and, and that's called FOMO trading, fear of missing out. So you chase that, but the move already happened, you know, or you or you or you get too heavy because you have to make up what I lost, and they don't realize, you know, it's a four quarter, you know, football game, and so so a lot of it's in your head, you know, you know, uh, you start with good rules, and then you start trying to apply good disciplines to those rules, and um, and you will succeed over time. The only thing I would just tell people is that look. You know, you, you you don't think you're getting a Lambo, right? You know, this is just good, solid wealth building over time. That's just like anything else you do, though. Right. Seriously. You get lucky. You get lucky. You know, like like a, the, my the the, the one uh, subscriber. He, he, you know, I won't say it was lucky, but he was. Uh, that's unusual. First of all, that he had the the guts to put that kind of money into a a trade that we saw, but many people thought was going to go to zero but also just to stay with it, right? You know, a lot of people, my brother-in-law is an example where, you know, he, um, and he's a good trader, by the way. Uh, so just, I don't mind picking on him on this because we've all made the same mistake. 
he bought Apple when it when Steve Jobs came back and and he made 50% on his money and patted himself on the back. We laugh about it to this day. He, he, my brother-in-law could have been a multi, multi, multi-millionaire if he'd have just kept Apple stock till today, you know? So some, so when you see this thing moving, say, oh, look how easy it is. It went from two to $50. Well, most people get a double on their money and they're already itching to get out, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't, we don't trade that way at Trade Genius. We, we swing trade. I could be in the same trade six different times, you know, as it's moving up, you know? So, but that, those are the kind of psychological barriers that, that people have and and that they get they get nervous and they sell their winners fast and then they'll hold on to the losers because they don't want to psychologically tell people they lost money on a trade. So we try to just eliminate those kind of things from people's thinking, hey, you got to stop, set it. You lost money in a trade, you lost money on the trade, move on, next throw. Yeah, like missing your last shot. That's in, yeah. in the past, exactly right. Um, one of the things that, that I wonder too here as we're moving forward with this discussion is I go back to my knowledge of history. That was actually my second undergraduate degree. And I, I look at history and I know what I learned about the stock market, that a lot of millionaires were created in a horrible market situation simply because they understood the situation. Could those same rules be applied today if we had a catastrophic event with the market? Yeah, it's funny you said, Dave, I tell people that all the time is that, um, you know, there's always a bull market somewhere, number one. And, and number two is, is you know, it's the old Buffett rule, right? You know, you, you, you dance when everybody's fleeing and you flee when everybody's dancing. And and so, yeah, and, um, and that's the important thing also in life is, you know, you have to be prepared. So, you know, if you're looking to get into a business, you know, like, are you going to buy spec real estate now? No, you'd be an idiot. Can it go up another 10 or 20%? Sure. It did that in 2005 and 2006, right? And the next thing you know, your investment's underwater by 50%. Same with the stock market is, you know, um, unless you're trading, you know, um, you wait for dislocations. And we're going to get them, Dave. We're absolutely going to get dislocations here, what's happening. And what's really interesting is for things we can't talk about, there's going to be certain types of businesses and industries that are going to be recipients of really, really stupid government policies. And, and so you just look for those opportunities and, and, you know, basically, you know, have your, this is not stock market related, but this is business related is that, you know, you keep some powder dry and you may see an opportunity, you know, companies that may have to shut employees, right. To, so they can, get under mandates of, of certain kinds may turn right around and contract right back to a group of people that could provide that service that oh yeah I, I get it I get yeah. it the clever way to get around stuff but see that's a time immemorial practice I've seen that in the past too particularly in the military industrial complex where someone gets a contract they have no idea what to do and the government regulations on their business are so onerous that they're thinking how do I get from under this so they go to someone who's in a more advantageous maybe tax position and they subcontract it out and they all make money I've seen that happen yeah so there's it's just there's always opportunities you know like that and you know and I um I should write a book on leverage and and, and that leverage is not just what I'm talking about 
leveraging up 10 to 1, stuff like that. I'm talking about leveraging information, leveraging leveraging uh, market breaks, leveraging your, your, your skills, you know, leveraging your relationships. Just, people always need to sit back and you, anybody in, in the world has leverage somewhere and you have to apply that leverage to gain wealth for yourself and your family. And that's how people need to start thinking about things is like, how do I leverage something or someone, you know, somehow and to be able to advance your, your ball forward. And, and that same thing happened when you just described when we have these big market breaks, you know, look, look, people in 2009 were millionaires were print, were printed after that. Right. You know, the same thing after 2000, same thing after 87, same thing after 91, yeah. you know, and so, um, and obviously look, if you look at every business that was formed in the United States is like most of them were formed in the thirties. Right. <laughs> and then right after world war two. So, so you have, you have these opportunities within, you know, I hate the word catastrophe, but within these, um, trying times. Well, no, it could be a catastrophe. Seriously. I mean, China is, just to use an example, in India, use this example, what does India have, what, three days of energy left? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, three days of coal. And so, you know, who's taking advantage of it? Guess what? The Indians are. So China went ahead and refused to accept Australian coal. The Indians went ahead and bought it from China at a discount. And as those ships are heading over to India now, you know, it's just stuff like that. Look, we're having supply chain problems. Well, you know who the enterprising guy is going to be or gal is going to say to a business, say, you know what, I'll set up shop right down the street from you. Okay. And I now can compete with China because I'll give you a, I'll give you a two week window uh, versus a four month window to receive your product. Oh, by the way, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the ports or the boats or the energy. I'm right here, right next to you. Oh, by the way, you can do shorter runs with me and, and therefore, bring your costs down because it allows you to optimize your your factory based on my. And since I have lower cost of production because I'm smaller, you, you get my point. I mean, you just go on and on and on. Hey, look, we're going to have food shortages, but we have, you know, you can build greenhouses. You can, you can push these greenhouses right next to the cities. I mean, on and on and on and on. Every problem has really unique opportunities for people to to take advantage of it. And I think corporate America is totally screwing up and these mega corps are going to get outrun, I think by some, some smaller rabbits here. So it's going to be opportunities. I see it everywhere. I'm always excited every day. So, um, there's always ways in which you can go around an obstacle. Yeah. That sounds like that. And then, um, that it's true in everything in life. It's not just investing, but the reason I, I, I bring this up too, is is uh, not to cast aspersions but i don't trust my bank and not that i don't like the bankers that run it the tellers that wait on me not that at all it's just right now we're dealing with an economy that's extremely volatile we could be approaching 40 trillion dollars in debt if biden gets everything he wants from congress with regard to spending and and people are running from the petrodollar so we're losing our only really backing for the for the u.s dollar and i'm thinking why would anyone keep all their money in cash and leave it in the bank? They're just waiting for what to happen to my mom's family during the Depression, where they went from riches to rags overnight because they were too cash-heavy and too much in the market and real estate. 
and and people need to look for alternatives i mean this is the thing that i'm really seeing and you you better diversify your distribution of wealth too i mean you can't i mean i'm sure you agree that you cannot stay in the bank no and that's why cryptos are are getting a, a stronger stronger following and there's a bank out there called silvergate si thinks the symbol they're the bank of cryptos so so you there's just um there's always ways in which you can can skin the cat look the, the wealthies created the off-ramps for themselves, all right? So you just have to go with them. And so they're, they're, they're buying cryptos. The, the federal government's all set, it's, is endorsing Bitcoin without endorsing Bitcoin, okay? They even came out last week and said it again. We have no intention of over-regulating um, uh, Bitcoin. We have yes. no problem with stable yep. coins that are going to be approved that can get FDIC insurance. I mean, so, so they, they know that there's, there's going to need to be an off-ramp for the dollar at some point. And so I think it's 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 really interesting. And for people to just poo-poo cryptocurrency because of that are going to find themselves no. on the outside looking in. You need to have a little bit of all of the above strategy and have some crypto, have some gold, have some silver, do some trading, have an alternate career. You know, if you can bug out, have a bug out. If you can have a farm, have a farm. You know, learn skills that are marketable. I mean, these all these things are are important and obviously beyond trade genius. But I think about these things all the time, David, as you do as well. No, I I, I absolutely do, and it's interesting to me too. Where uh, crypto, I, you said it basically the term I think you used or the notion was it's an exit strategy for troubled days. People will jump to crypto even if it's only temporary. And I totally agree with that. I just did a, a broadcast on that yesterday, a podcast where I said crypto really is getting officially sanctioned when the government says they're not coming after it. And you know the banks are privately trying to get into it as much as they can because they can't hoard enough gold to ward off what they fear with fiat currencies around the world. That tells you that crypto is going to be a big deal. And I'm glad to see that you're trading in it. We have just about a minute left and we had kind of broached the subject of the inside view of what Trade Genius does. So we've got a coupon code FALL and let's see if I have this right here because we're going to put it in the summary. 40% uh, off for the bun oh, 65% off for the bundled items, 40% uh, off for the non-bundled items with the coupon code um, FALL. Sorry, I had a brain lapse yep. there. Just call me Joe Biden. And uh, that offer is good until October 16th at midnight. Yeah, and the bundled items are already pre-discounted. Right, 65%. Yeah. As long That's as I don't say go, Brandon, you're okay, Dave, with me. <laughs> we can't go there. <laughs> Everybody knows what that means. You're saying the F word. No, we're not. Sorry. I feel sorry for the guy's name, Brandon. It's kind of like when we started going after snitches and calling them all Karen. Anyway, Bob, we are flat out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, take advantage of Trade Genius. Sounds like they got a good plan. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me, Dave. Bye-bye. Take care.